Welcome back to the conclusion of Pastor Tim's message, The Saddest Strikeout, from Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 27. Imagine being a major league baseball player, standing in the batter's box with a pitcher a mere 60 feet, 6 inches away from you, ready to throw a 100 mile per hour fastball. Araldus Chapman has thrown the fastest pitch recorded at 105 miles per hour. He has thrown 273 pitches over 103 miles per hour. And yet, he has hit 30 batters. Still want to stand there? What you do at the plate matters. More so if you're in the batter's box concerning the gospel. What you do matters. The rich young ruler ends up the saddest strikeout ever. But you, you could hit a home run by saying yes to Jesus. Here's Pastor Tim. But strike one is the wrong ask. Strike two is the wrong assessment. The wrong assessment. If there is any one of these strikes that we whiff at embarrassingly, spin out of our shoes swinging at. It's this one. You may very well tell somebody, or you yourself may very well believe, I believe that Jesus is God. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe that He died for all of my sins. (laughs) If I had any. I mean, I know I've messed up. I mean, I I know that I've done some wrong things. But you don't understand, it's not my fault. It was my mom and daddy's fault. It's society's fault. It's, It's God's fault because He put those desires in me in the first place. We blame everybody and everything except for ourselves. This rich young ruler has the wrong assessment about what Jesus has just said. He just asked, good teacher, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus gives him these answers, and then it's almost as if he interrupts. And he says this, verse number 21. He said, all these I have kept from my youth. I bet he put his chest out a little bit too. I've done all these things ever since I was a little boy. Now, I don't, I don't doubt for one moment that in, in our way of talking, he's probably a good guy. He, he probably has lived a better life than many of us have lived. But it's still not good enough. The Bible says, examine yourselves. Prove yourselves as to whether you're in the faith, unless indeed you are disqualified. Here's a man who needs to take a long, lingering look on the inside. And you may be right there with him. Take a look on the inside of your life. How do you match up to the holiness of God? How does your righteousness compare to His righteousness? If you really take that honest look, you're not going to come up 
with the wrong assessment. He does. Look, if you will, there in verse number 20 or 22, after, G, after he says, I've kept all these things from my youth, Jesus said, He heard these things and said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. He thinks that he has done everything just right. But Jesus puts his finger on the dead giveaway. He does that for the rich young ruler. He can certainly do that for you. He can put his finger right there on that one area of your life that you've not been willing to give to Him, that you've not been willing to turn over to Him, that you think this is an area I can keep all to myself, and God can have the rest. When Jesus tells him to sell everything that he has and distribute it to the poor, that's the dead giveaway. It should show him in no uncertain terms that he's not giving everything to Jesus. We sing it. You know, I've often said, Sean, I I believe that the hardest hymn to sing in the entire hymn book is I Surrender All. It's not hard because of the music or even the lyrics. It's hard because of the message. It's hard for me to make that declaration. All to Jesus, I surrender. Really? Everything? Sometimes I sing that song like the rich young ruler. I've done all these things for my youth. I've given Jesus, I've given you everything. And then the Holy Spirit takes his holy finger and places it right on my sinful heart and says, here's an area, how about this one? Spirit of the Holy God works even in the heart of the unbeliever. What is he doing? The Bible says that he convicts the world, he convicts the unbeliever of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He is to convict that person of what sin really is in their life. I've told you the story before about sharing the gospel with a, with a I, I thought was a husband and wife, was just a, sort of, I guess you'd say, a boyfriend and girlfriend. And after they'd given their hearts to Jesus, he says, I never knew what we were doing was wrong. Well, if he is cold and callous and unbelieving and away from God, of course he doesn't know that there's the difference between right and wrong. But when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of him, he's able to say, what about this area? I never knew what I was doing was wrong. You ever allow the Spirit of God to put His finger on your sin? As soon as he points it out to you, he's also going to convict you of his righteousness. That he is righteous. He is holy. He is sinless. He is perfect. 
and that you are not. He'll begin to draw you. The Bible says to woo you towards Christ. And he will convict you of judgment. To let you know that you will indeed answer for every word that's been spoken, every thought that has been thunk, every deed that has been done, every deed that has gone undone, I will give answer to God before that. It's the Holy Spirit who draws me. Don't don't be like 12-year-old Tim. Don't be like 12-year-old Tim who stands there and holds on to the pew and says, God, please leave me alone. Conviction's not fun. Conviction from the Holy Spirit is not enjoyable. But it is so necessary. This rich young ruler is unwilling to hear it. Are you you so close-minded to God, so cold-hearted to His Word, that you will not listen to His Spirit as He speaks to you? The Bible says the Holy Spirit, almost like He comes up right behind me and He whispers, this is the way. Walk in it. This is the way. You've been down this road. This rich young ruler's got two strikes against him. Maybe you feel like you live life with two strikes against you. You, you, you know, you've messed up, you've asked the wrong question, you've thought the wrong things about yourself, and really about God and what He's done. But you know what they say from the dugout, right? It only takes one pitch. Kid ain't hit the ball all year long, and some knuckleheads gonna call out. It just takes one. Wait for your pitch. Right? Hey, you wait for your pitch. Spirit of God does not dump you. You're still alive. You're still kicking. You're still breathing. The Holy Spirit of God may very well come to you. Once again. Once again, giving you the second chance that you don't deserve and that I didn't deserve. Give you one more shot just to say yes. Sadly, what you see in your picture is strike three. Strike three is the wrong answer. It's the wrong answer. Verse number 23, when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. Does he simply hear Jesus and say, well, I've got to sell all this stuff and I've got to give it, I've got to give it away? It's not necessarily what Jesus is saying to him, it's what he hears. What he hears is, I've got to make a choice. I've got to make a choice between all my stuff and Jesus. You say, Tim, well, that's not really fair. I mean, when I became a Christian, I mean, I, I didn't have to give up my stuff. 
<laughs> if you were in the same category as this rich young ruler, you did. Whatever is number one in your life. Whatever it is. Maybe it's money, just like this guy. you got to give it up. Can I tell you a harsh truth? Maybe number one is your family. Can you imagine somebody as loving and gentle as Jesus saying, if you don't hate your mother and your father for my sake, you can't be my disciple. What's he saying? He's saying, nobody, nothing, deserves first place in your life except me. And if you're not willing to take yourself, your family, your stuff, your anything, off the throne of your life and let Jesus be there, then you're not ready to be saved. Until you can say, Jesus, you are all that I need. And you see Him giving you more and more blessings than you could ever remember or think of. You're probably going to stick with the wrong answer. It says He was very sorrowful for He was very rich. What Matthew adds in there, that, I don't know, maybe Luke just doesn't want to paint Him in this picture. The Bible says He just walked away. He just walked away from Jesus. And it's almost as if you can, you can picture these verses, can't you? You can see him with his head down, his shoulders sagged, walking away from Jesus. The disciples with their eyes big can't believe that this guy just said no. You been there? You ever share the gospel with somebody? And you just, I mean, you know it. You can, you can taste it, this person's about to get saved. And they say no. He's just, just dumbfounded. You see Jesus standing there with a look of great compassion as He says how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because it's so much a part of our human nature to put our stuff, our security in first place. It's hard to let go of that, isn't it? That's what Jesus is saying. How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. <laughs> there, have been, there have been so much talk about this verse, what this verse means. You know? Some look at it, they, they look at the little sewing needle. You know, how's a camel supposed to get through there in the first place? You know, and then the others go and they say, yeah, well, you know, at those gates, in order for the camel to really be able to get in, there's a gate, it's called the needle's eye. In order for the camel to get through there, he's got to get down on his knees and, and, and kind of crawl through. I want to tell you something. Even if a man gets on his knees and tries to crawl all by himself with his own effort and his own goodness, he still ain't getting in. It would be easier for a camel to get through the sewing needle's eye 
and for that to happen. It's not going to. No person is going to enter the kingdom of God without Jesus. Not one. If Billy Graham didn't know Jesus, Billy Graham ain't getting into heaven. If Mother Teresa didn't know Jesus, she ain't getting into heaven. And nobody, no matter your pedigree, and no matter your resume, is getting into the kingdom of heaven without Jesus. Let's finish with this. The disciples, the ones that are standing there with their eyes wide open, gawking, can't believe this guy just walked away. Then they hear Jesus say this. Who then can't be saved? That's a good question. We start off with the wrong one. That's a great one. I mean, if this guy, who is so successful in life, if he can't be saved, if he's walking away, what about us? We're poor fishermen. What about us? Who can be saved? Jesus said, the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. It's not about the worth of an individual. It's not about the work of an individual. It's not about the words that are said by an individual. It is about what Jesus did on the cross, coming out of the grave, drawing you to Himself, that you might say, I I give up. Jesus, I give up. I give up, you fill in the blank. Your, your blank's probably different than my blank. I yield all of that, Jesus. I just want you. I want you to make me right with God. Let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes with me. It may very well be that you've come to this place today not knowing for sure that you belong to Jesus. Maybe you hope so. Maybe you want to. But you're just not sure. Would you right there where you are say a prayer like this and mean it with all your heart? Use your own words, but hear mine for you. Dear God, I am a sinner. Not only do my sins separate me from you now, they will separate me from you for forever. Jesus, I believe that you are God. I believe that you love me. I believe that you died on the cross and rose from the dead to take my sins away. Jesus, I'm the one who's been sitting on the throne of my heart. The captain of my own soul. The sailor of my own ship. You have to say that for you. Maybe that's not you necessarily. Maybe it's something else. Jesus, this is sitting on the throne of my heart. 
you say this, Jesus, I step off the throne. Jesus, I, I clear that throne. I want you to be the Lord. I want you to be the boss. I want you to come into my heart to take away all of my sins to make me right with you. Jesus, I receive your gift of eternal life. I pray that you'd help me to live a life that pleases you. Make sure you finish with this. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Did you pray that prayer? Something like it? Then I want you to stay in your seat. The longer you stay in your seat is the longer that the devil says, you didn't really pray that prayer. The longer you stay in your seat, the devil whispers in your ear and says, you didn't even need to do that. You listen to the Spirit of God. If He tells you to leave your seat and come down here and tell me that you asked Jesus to come to your heart, then you do that. Listen to the Holy Spirit. If He he puts His finger on that one thing, if I can pray with you about that, I will. Maybe you just need to come to the altar. There's plenty of room up here. Just get down on your face before God. Say, God, I... I remove that. I willingly, of my choice, remove that from the throne of my life. And I clear the way for you to sit there. Let's see what He'll do to deliver you from addiction, to deliver you from bad choices, to deliver you from the circumstances that you find yourself in. Listen to the Spirit of God. Maybe he's telling you that you need to plant your life in this church. It becomes the springboard for missions and for ministry. A springboard for growth. Listen to the Spirit of God. Maybe he's telling you today that there's somebody like this rich young ruler in your life. I mean, they, say, they, they seem like good people. You're just not sure of where they are in their relationship with God. Why don't you ask Him to help you find out? Tell Him what Jesus has done. You do that? Listen, whatever you need to do, I want you to have the freedom to do it. All right? Pastor Tim thanks you for joining us for this message, The Saddest Strikeout. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast. <laughs>